Welcome back. This is TJ from www.aquariumtiptank.com. I'd like to remind you to head on over to www.aquariumtiptank.com and take a look at all of the latest tips and tricks to relaxing and enjoying your home aquarium. If you're so inclined, you can sign up for our free newsletter and e-updates. Um, as always, uh, I'm going to go ahead and say thank you. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I, I say this at the beginning of every single podcast, um, and it's just kind of great to meet people, uh, have have people emailing us, um, you know, leaving us some reviews on our YouTube channel or on Facebook. You can find us at facebook.com forward slash aquarium tip tank um, or on Twitter. Uh, it's uh, great to meet you guys, talk to you guys, and talk to everybody that has any questions or concerns or, um, you know, likes to show us um, your tanks and your fish and uh, show us some pictures and uh, just chat about, you know, having a home aquarium. Please go ahead on over to iTunes and leave a review for this episode of the Aquarium Tip Tank podcast. Um, Or you can leave us a comment. Uh, You can easily leave us a comment on the show and uh, we will also have a few pictures up as always and and a few show notes and things like that. And for this podcast episode, uh, the URL that you can find it at is www.aquariumtiptank.com forward slash ATT podcast 015. That's right. This is our 15th podcast. So, uh, I have a little tank update for you. Uh, as always, I usually talk about my 30-gallon saltwater aquarium that I'm setting up. And I had mentioned in the last episode uh, of the Aquarium Tip Tank podcast that I might have a fish or two by the time this episode came out. Well, I actually have three. Uh, I have two tank-bred Ocellaris clownfish and one six-line wrasse. Uh, it just so happens... That today's episode is all about my fish purchase experience, why I chose the fish that I did, that I did, and a few facts about the six line wrasse and Ocellaris clownfish. Okay, so let's get on with it. I'm just basically going to tell you a little story uh, of my fish purchase experience. Uh, first, a little tip though. Always get your wife, family, or significant other involved. It's really just way more fun that way. Um, It's way more fun to, you know, look at your wife, as I did, um, and say something like, Hey, uh, you know, we've got a few days. The the tank has been up and running for a few weeks. Everything cycled. It's time to put fish in there. And I had found a new fish store a few weeks ago. Uh, I like the look of, look of their tanks, the health of their fish, and their corals, and the service was great, and the salespeople were very nice and helpful. So I knew where I was going to get these new fish. And so a couple days before the weekend, I, I prepped my wife by letting her know that it was about time to put some fish in the aquarium. As I said, I looked at her and said, Hey, it's time to put some fish in. This thing has been up and running for, you know, two months. Everything's fine. I've tested all the water parameters. Everything's going great. Um, And it's an unusual occurrence that we aren't running around like crazy people on a Saturday afternoon. But for some reason, we had some free time uh, a little over a week ago. 
So it was great. I was able to get my wife involved. She, you know, she loves scuba diving with me and everything else and looking at fish. Um, she just, you know, kind of says, well, you, you can take the time and set up the tank and everything else. And, you know, she basically just gets to reap the rewards of me taking care of the fish in the fish tank because I don't mind doing it. And she gets to look at the, the fish and all the animals that, you know, we have in there. So... What we decided to do on this Saturday afternoon free is we decided to say, okay, well, let's head on down to the Georgia Aquarium. She had to pick up an annual pass that we had gotten her um, and, you know, get her picture taken and all that stuff uh, so that she could have an annual pass to the Georgia Aquarium. I already have one. So our plan was to go and look around at the Georgia Aquarium and then go Sunday early afternoon to the fish store. And I have to say, we had a fantastic time. It, it was awesome. Uh, we went to the Georgia Aquarium. We got her her season pass. Uh, we saw lots of fish that were way too big to even think about having in a 30-gallon home aquarium. Uh, you know, they have some touch pools there uh, with a, a few bonnethead sharks and cow nose rays in, in the touch pool when you first kind of walk in over on the left. And, you know, she really wanted to see what they felt like and everything else and go over to the touch pools and things like that. Um, we then kind of moved on and we loved the discus and the African chicklids and piranhas in the freshwater section. Um, it made us think about actually starting a large freshwater tank sometime in the near future. Uh, however, the, the discus that are at the Georgia Aquarium are also so big that we couldn't really keep too many of them in the 30 gallon aquarium that we have either. Um, so we went through, and I explained uh, some of the fish that we could keep in a 30-gallon saltwater aquarium and some of the fish that we couldn't. Uh, the whale sharks uh, definitely won't fit, let's say. <laughs> um, even a pallet surgeon fish, or regal tang, as some, they're sometimes called, requires much more room than a 30-gallon tank provides. A couple of clownfish would fit, though. Uh, we could also get some that are tank bred and not take anything from the wild. More on that in just a minute, of course. So we're excited about the fun that we had at the Georgia Aquarium and about heading to the fish store the next day. We sleep in a little, get some breakfast, and head to the fish store around noon on Sunday. I love walking into the fish store, especially with my wife, who hasn't been there before. Uh, the walls to the left are all lined with fish tanks, and the centerpiece of the saltwater area and is two large coral tanks filled with all sorts of beautiful coral frags. Uh, all of the fish in the fish store seem healthy. The tanks are clean both inside and out. And the sales staff gives you just enough time to look around for a few seconds while a large smile forms on your face before politely asking if they can be of any assistance. I explained that my wife and I would like to take a little closer look at the fish that they have for sale, but that we will definitely be taking a fish or two home to be the first fish added to the new 30-gallon saltwater aquarium that I am in the process of setting up. And of course, even though that the salesperson was in the middle of doing something else, 
the conversation begins. He stops what he's doing and starts talking to us about what fish we might want. His first question was actually how long the tank has been up and running and if it's properly properly cycled. And I quickly kind of cut into his question and, and explained that it has been up and running for and, and cycling for about two months, and it is definitely ready to go. He begins to su- suggest some fish that he thinks I could keep in a 30-gallon saltwater aquarium. But I express some concerns about some of his suggestions. I ask some questions uh, and make sure he understands, uh, you know, more of my plans for my tank and to have some coral. And he gives us a few suggestions of fish to look at. Some of the questions and concerns that I had at the local fish store were that the salesman immediately suggested that I should take home a coral beauty dwarf angel fish and two clownfish. I quickly explained that my thought was that the Coral Beauty Dwarf Angelfish should be added last and that there were other smaller, calmer members of that rock dweller community that I should add first. I was thinking that I would be adding something like a Lawnmower Blenny or some sort of Gobi or Chromis first. He backed up and kind of stated that maybe waiting a couple of weeks and adding the coral beauty last would actually be a good idea. Then he pointed out the six-line wrasse. Now let me set the the record straight for a second. The coral beauty dwarf angelfish is a fish that will fit and usually do fairly well in a minimum of a 30-gallon aquarium. They are also supposed to be relatively easy to care for and only semi-aggressive. My wife definitely liked the colors of the Coral Beauty, and we are definitely going to go back and get one. So it's not like the salesman was really pushing anything on us or anything like that. Um, It's just that dwarf angelfish and angelfish in general can be kind of aggressive, and sometimes it is good to add them at the same time as you add maybe another aggressive fish. You know, that way when you add the Coral Beauty... um, some of the other fish won't be so stressed out and, you know, they can figure out things all at the same time with the new tank. However, I, I still kind of thought that, hey, I should get some smaller fish first, let them find their way in their homes in the tank and let them know a little bit more about it before, you know, any kind of dwarf angel fish or anything like that came in, came in and kind of started bullying or bullying it around. It's just that the dwarf angelfish are in the reef darters group. Uh, the coral beauty that I will eventually have in the tank will be the biggest fish in the tank and require the most room and be the most aggressive, even if they're supposed to be relatively peaceful. Uh, From my experience, as I've said a few times already, it's best to add those fish last. I like to let the smaller fish get accustomed to their new home and their surroundings and make sure that they know all of the places to hide and feel safe when the coral beauty is added. Uh, The coral beauty will be the king of that tank and uh, feel safe no matter what. So I kind of wanted to make sure that all the other smaller fish uh, felt safe and uh, had a little bit, you know, of an advantage uh, over the coral beauty uh, when it when it was added. So now let's get back to talking about the six-line wrasse. Of course, my wife thought that the six-line wrasse was beautiful and lively, and it is. Uh, it has a soft orange face and head leading into six brightly colored blue and orange lines that disappear into a beautiful green tail. At the top, beginning and both sides of the green tail, is a spot that is meant to look like a fake eye. After all, the six line would rather get attacked by one of its predators at its tail than at its head and face. 
I consider the six-line wrasse a fish that is kind of on the border, and depending on the individual fish's temperament, uh, a six-line wrasse can end up being a rock dweller, or they can end up being a little more hyper and a little more aggressive and start to mix in with the reef darter group. Even when the six-line wrasse is swimming fast and darting between the rocks and corals and playing happily in the tank, it is known to be a very peaceful fish that generally keeps to itself. So, as I said, it's kind of right there on the border between the rock dwellers and the reef darters. However, a six-line wrasse does like to have lots of caves, overhangs, crevices, and holes to hide in. It is known to be a very hardy fish, but may get very stressed out if it doesn't have some hiding places. In fact, with more hiding places, it will probably come out to the front of your tank more. It seems to know that if it has a few homes and hiding places to swim to in case of emergency, that it can come out and say hello and socialize a bit without having to worry. Uh, without having to worry about the fact that where do I go if something does happen, if something does try and get me. It knows, you know, if there are lots of caves and crevices and things like that, it knows that it can dart right back into them and hide and that, you know, maybe its predator won't be able to get to it. Some people have even reported that they didn't see their six-line wrasse for like four or five days after adding it to their aquarium. If this happens, you shouldn't worry too much. Sure, you should try to find it and make sure that it is okay, but it may be finding all of those hiding places and taking a few days to get itself acquainted with all of the intricacies of its new home. Make sure that there's about two inches of sand in your tank for the six line as well. It likes to dig holes in the sand. Find places to sleep in small holes, crevices, and ledges of the rockwork. I've even seen a video on YouTube where a six line rasp basically to go to sleep at night just digs a hole straight down in the, straight down in the sand and stays there and sleeps there overnight so make sure you have a little bit of sand in there for the six line to kind of shuffle around and kind of dig holes and things like that as well your six line may seem very stressed it may be hiding hiding all of the time it may be digging in the sand and swimming around in circles like it doesn't know what to do or where it is it might, be, it might be a little stressed out. It doesn't really know where it is. But the six-line wrasse is known to be a hardy fish that will eventually, after you, after you acclimate it to your tank, start to explore the tank, figure things out, and start to calm down once it figures out that it's got plenty of places to hide and is going to have fun, a fun, healthy life in its new reef. That reef is the one that is in your aquarium. Uh... The six-line wrasse is also very easy to feed. It's a carnivore that will generally eat any kind of high-quality marine flake food, marine pellet food, and all varieties of frozen marine foods. The great thing is that the six-line wrasse will also forage on live foods and some of the unwanted pests on your live rock, like small crustaceans, urchins, flatworms, and bristleworms. So, all in all, this fish was one we liked. And we wanted to take it home. My wife likes it. It's colorful and beautiful. It was healthy and active, and active, but peacefully swimming around the tank and sharing it with his tank mates, which included a coral beauty, by the way. Maybe a good sign. It didn't have any spots or noticeable injuries. Uh, they generally do well in a 30-gallon tank. 
It had been eating everything that they fed it, and it would be coming home with us. So how did we also end up with the two-tank bred Ocellaris clownfish? Well, the salesman basically uh, started rattling off different combinations of fish and livestock loads that I could keep peacefully together in a 30-gallon saltwater aquarium, and that would eventually include a mini reef with some corals. He kept coming back to suggesting a pair of clownfish. Frankly, I kind of agreed with him, and there were several reasons why. First of all, these were tank-bred Ocellaris clownfish, and there are several advantages to buying a pair of these tank-bred fish. First, you're not taking anything from the wild, and that is just awesome. You're not taking anything from... You know, what is out there in the natural wild ecosystem. Uh, These things were tank bred and tank raised. And this is where they think they should actually live is in a tank. That's all they have ever known. So they're generally very hardy fish as well. Of course, because of this, they are also more accustomed to the conditions found in home aquariums than than wild caught species are. They Therefore, they're not as easily stressed. They have always been fed fish flakes and pellets and frozen foods. They have always lived with other fish in an aquarium and in a tank. They probably came from a breeder that is less than 100 miles away rather than traveling halfway across the world from Indonesia. That's a whole lot less time in a plastic bag, that's for sure. They also do much better than wild-caught species when they are kept with a variety of other tank-bred clownfish as long as they are introduced into the aquarium at the same time. Therefore, I can get two of them and not worry about them fighting, even if they're not a mated pair. All Ocellaris clownfish also tend to be fairly easy to care for, very peaceful, and reef-compatible. They are omnivores. That basically means that they will eat anything and can be fed a mixture of meaty foods, frozen preparations, pellets, flakes, and just about any other fish food. My wife and I also thought that these would be some beautiful, fun little fish to have in our aquarium. The salesman said that the two I picked might end up becoming a mated pair. If we noticed them mating and laying their eggs on a flat surface of our, of our aquarium, we will be sure to let you know. Of course... Then I might even try and get into making sure that that fish fry actually survives. We'll see. It is kind of a daunting task, and I haven't ever done it before. But, hey, if I see it happening, maybe I'll start to rear some clownfish. We'll see. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about the fish we took home. We ended up looking around at the other tanks and all of the other fish on our own time for a little while, and I had some questions about a few other fish. My wife asked about the damsels. Uh, Both myself and the salesman immediately told her that damsels were probably a bad idea. For very small fish, they can sometimes just be very mean and and aggressive. They are very hardy, and a lot of people like to kind of start and kickstart their... um, their aquarium and their cycling process with it, but they can also be very mean and aggressive. If we still wanted to have the six-line wrasse and the two clownfish, then we didn't really want a damsel in with them bullying them around. 
I asked about the cardinal fish, knowing that they like to be kept in schools. The salesman basically stated that they could be kept in a 30-gallon tank, but that we should keep at least three of them because they like to be kept in schools. If I were to put three fish, three of these fish in my tank, I could end up putting 9 to 10 total inches of fish in my tank right at the very beginning. Basically, with having to keep multiple cardinal fish, there wouldn't be much more room in my 30-gallon tank for other species of fish. And I wanted to be able to keep a variety of three or four different species of fish. I didn't want to just have some cardinal fish and one other fish in the tank. So, no cardinal fish. I also asked about the lawnmower blenny. Uh, the salesman stated that their lawnmower blenny seemed to be very mean and aggressive and that they might bully any other fish in the tank. They're also not very colorful, so my wife wasn't too impressed with them. I think they're kind of cool. They kind of go around and sort of sift through, through the sand and things like that. But we ended up be, being talked out of getting a lawnmower plenty. In the end, we kept coming back to the combination of a six-line wrasse, two tank-bred Ocellaris clownfish, and a coral beauty dwarf angelfish. That would end up including two species that were on the border of the rock dwellers and reef darters groups with the six-line wrasse and the Ocellaris clownfish and include one fish that was definitely a bigger, more aggressive reef darter with the coral beauty dwarf angelfish. That fish load would pretty much maximize the amount of fish that we could properly keep in a 30-gallon aquarium, especially since I plan to make it a reef aquarium in the future. Maybe it will be possible in the future to add another smaller fish from the rock dweller group. Yes, I like to add them first, but that doesn't mean that they haven't been added after some reef darters by others successfully in the past. It could happen. And if we see a fish that we really, really like, or, you know, we go into the fish store enough and we just really, really like one species of fish and we want to have it, maybe we'll put it in there and try it out. But it's got to be pretty small if we add anything after the Coral Beauty Dwarf Angelfish. We ended up deciding that the best plan of action was to get the six-line wrasse and two tank-bred Ocellaris clownfish to bring home that day. We would acclimate those three fish that day and get them into the 30-gallon tank. We would then spend the next few weeks making sure that they are happy and healthy in their new home. We would make sure that the six-line wrasse was finding some hiding places, ding digging around in the sand, and getting comfortable with his new environment. We would also make sure that the clownfish were getting along and not going after each other. We would make sure that all of the fish were eating everything and staying healthy for a few weeks. Of course, dur during all of this, we would, be, we would be performing some water quality tests and making sure that all of the filtration systems were working to keep the water quality good and stable. After two or three weeks, if all of those fish were doing well, we will go back to the fish store and pick up one of those coral beauty dwarf angelfish. So, to sum everything up, we ended up executing that plan. We are now the proud parents of three more pet fish. We have had the six-line wrasse and two tank-bred Ocellaris clownfish in our aquarium for about a week now, and they are all doing very well. The six-line wrasse has found several hiding places. There was one evening we and we could not even find it, no matter where we were looking in the tank. It seems as if it likes to find a nice, quiet crevice in the, in the rocks to sleep under when the lights are out at night. 
After all, fish need to sleep too. We were a little worried when we couldn't find it at first, but then when the lights came on, it, it swam around foraging for food scraps on a live rock and exploring the tank. It seems as if that's the pattern that our six-line wrasse is taking. It kind of likes to go and find a nice, uh, secure sleeping place that it likes. And I'm uh, these days I can find it almost every night in one little crevice and one little spot in the rocks. I can look under there and find the six-line wrasse. And then in the morning when the lights come on and it's daylight or perceived daylight to these fish and everything else with my lights coming on, it comes out and swims around and has a great time and it doesn't seem to be bothering the clownfish at all. The clownfish do tend to stick together, which is great. They're not going after each other. And they're always out in the front of the tank, exploring the front of the live rock, swimming in the water flow created by my power heads, and ready to gobble up whatever food I decide to give them that day. I've done a few water quality tests, and my ammonia and nitrite levels are still at zero, and my nitrate levels are still very low. It seems as if my biological filtration is working great. Soon enough, in the next few days, I will actually perform the first water change uh, with these new fish in the tank. So that's about it for this week. Of course, head on over to www.aquariumtiptank.com forward slash podcast 15 to check out the blog post for this podcast episode. You'll find very few words, but a whole lot of fish pictures to look at. I've included some pictures of the six line wrasse and the clownfish that we now have. And uh, check it out. Leave some comments. As always, there's lots more to come at AquariumTipTank.com. Maybe I'll have that coral beauty in the tank by next time. Also, uh, please get in touch with us in any way that you wish. We love hearing from fellow aquarium hobbyists. Ask us questions, and we'll do our best to answer or find an answer for you. Um, tell us about your breakthrough. Say hello to us on Facebook or Twitter. You can email us at support at aquariumtiptank.com. Uh, find us on YouTube. There's just tons of places to find us. Come on over and say hello. Uh, thank you again. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you got a little bit out of this podcast. Maybe you learned a little bit about the six line wrasse and some clownfish. Um, and, uh, hopefully you enjoy the pictures that are up there that are up on the website. Uh, go ahead and tell us how your aquarium is coming along as well. And we will be back with more aquarium tips in about two weeks. What? <laughs>